2: Welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. And that issue today is that Logan Paul has just embarrassed WWE Hamlet with well, stealing the show at Crown Jewel.
3: Yeah, it may sound strange that you can have such a fantastic match on what will always be a divisive show in Crown Jewel as part of this pretty awful deal, Um, and yet he made the headlines about pro wrestling. Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns was one of WWE's best matches of the year, and if all you watch, or predominantly most of the things you watch is WWE, it was one of the best matches of the year, full stop. Uh, And yet, it's not the first time that he's stolen a show, and that says a lot because he's only had three matches. (laughs) It's not the first time that a celebrity or a special guest to the world has generated far more conversation, positive conversation no less, uh, than countless He's too many to remember at this point that have come through and have made no moments, capital M, compared to these celebrities that make them every single time they appear. Uh, and Logan Paul specifically feels uh, not different to all the rest, but he feels like, a, it feels like a turning point in the conversation about celebrities in wrestling. It used to be many, many moons back that you would have a very short list of the celebrities that have performed well. Under wrestling's bright lights, now he has shown that this is becoming a pattern, this is consistent, he has raised the bar for what we expect for celebrities that decide to get into wrestling, but nowhere near as shockingly as it might have been, say, five to ten Mm. years ago, he's, if anything, a celebration of where we seem to be at with these big WWE special guests.
2: He was just absolutely mind blowing at, at the premium live event, wasn't he, Sige?
3: One of the very first things he did
0: on WWE television blew my mind, and I would rather talk about that than Crown Jewel. If I'm being <laughs> be honest, to say that entire um, arrangement, I will remember for probably the rest of my wrestling fandom. Being blown away by Logan Paul at WrestleMania, um, was it Dom and yeah. Ray? I think it must have been Ray that he did the move on, but he was threatening to do Three Amigos. Now, he didn't just simply do it. He laid there, his back was on the ground, and he was about to uh, swivel the hips and pop up for the next one. He realized that it was such a huge measure of disrespect for some loathsome, wildly unpopular, in some circles, dickhead YouTuber (laughs) to disrespect the great name of Eddie Guerrero. That spot was inspired. I'm not necessarily saying he came up with it. It was an inspired spot. It would have got a huge boo had he simply just did it and executed it well enough. He delayed doing it for like two seconds to register to the crowd I'm about to do it. I'm about to completely take the piss out of your hero by daring to do the same move as him. He got the boo in the spaces between the move before it even did it that is genuinely what a lot of wrestlers do not grasp for years and years and years and years and years so yes he has embarrassed wwe and its performance center and the way it develops talent and i'm quite looking forward to drilling into why that is
2: yeah let's have a quick word on the on the uh, the rise of celebrity wrestling as you alluded to there though handlet before we talk about the central theme here regarding the performance center because yeah like you say he's the latest in a long line of uh, sensational celebrity performances a- Pat McAfee is obviously one that springs to mind. Bad Bunny. The list just goes on and on and on, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, it's the point where, um, I think it was, was all in, where Stephen Amel had a just, like, a capable... He performed a couple of spots, and it went well enough against Christopher Daniels, and Christopher Daniels gets all applauded it's because, wow, it takes something to drag a guy, not just through a couple of high spots, but through a match that feels credible. That looks almost archaic. <laughs> like, positioned up against specifically the Roman Reigns match, but against a couple of things we've seen now. Um... And I think of someone like a Pat McAfee who has obviously been a wrestling fan all of his life to the extent where he made a better video package for himself than WWE were able to when it came <laughs> to living his WrestleMania dream. But a guy that has already succeeded in other fields as, uh, not just as an athlete, but as an entertaining presence. And Logan Paul, divisive as he may be, has obviously entertained enough people with his work over the years. Um, and it stands to reason that in a company that has always promoted itself of as entertainment over wrestling that these people would do well. And yet, when celebrities would come in, it would all of a sudden be about, well, this is a wrestling company, pal. Lawrence Taylor would be nothing without Bam Bam Bigelow guiding him through it and things like that. Whereas, in reality, WWE is so seamlessly morphed into this. It was Andy Murray that once said, what they're doing now is making long-form TikTok. And he absolutely (laughs) nailed it. They are looking for these things that will be viral, that can be sold in a very digestible presentation to uh, network executives and the like. And these characters, these Logan Pauls and these Bad Bunnies, are absolutely perfect for it. Of course, if you want a long and prosperous career in wrestling, you've got to have great fundamentals. And, you know, we will debate long into the night about how good the Performance Centre is at establishing that. But quickly, I think these celebrities are exposing that, yes, the fundamentals are important, but what fundamentals exactly? Mm. Is it about how you bump, how you feed, or is it about... Being able to forge a connection with an audience and keep it. The Logan Paul spot that Sidgwick isolates is, as you know, Sidgwick points out, is not just about understanding uh, how to make it work within a wrestling context, but knowing how to get under people's skin and knowing how to like, hit them in the heart rather than in the brain and make them feel something rather than think about feeling something. Bad Bunny sells out stadiums the world over. It stands to reason that he should have a good grasp of how to keep a live audience entertained. The Canadian Destroyer is icing on the cake at that mm. point. Pat McAfee the same. Ronda Rousey before she kind of got to grips with all of it, was better at it because she too she understood what it was. Like obviously she was from USC, so she had like an incredible physical specimen, but she understood as a breakout star of USC, she understood how that was as important, if not more important, Mm. than landing the knockout blow or whatever. And her maiden steps in pro wrestling had to lean on that more than the the great fundamentals and the more we've seen the fundamentals develop the more she's in her own head with the performance aspect Mm. and one has ultimately started to outstrip the other a little bit and she's Worse for it.
2: And yeah, the celebrity aspect of, of wrestling has been sort of intrinsically linked for however long, Cindy Lauper at the end of the day, you've mm. got all that sort of thing. But in terms of like the effectiveness of someone like a Logan Paul, all you need to do is look at the, how many views and they, they talked about it on Raw, I believe this week, that clip where me and Phil watching the stream going, what's he asking about on that top rope for with a phone? And it's that amazing slow-mo clip of him jumping onto Roman through the table and look how viral that went.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like uh it was a great performance and that's how WWE tries to book these things on a moment first, like sort of substance second basis. And ultimately, when Vince McMahon was decaying in his brain <laughs> and he was absolutely terrible at his job in the last sort of hurrah of his career as a promoter, they were so good still at presenting celebrities as legitimate concerns who could come and work really good matches that WWE crucially actually cared about because they were paying them, so it was worth their time to actually care about these celebrity matches. It would be terrible PR if they just booked them terribly, even though like they kind of did with Johnny Knoxville, (laughs) before WrestleMania, the actual storytelling was terrible. But ultimately what I was getting at is that in the dying days of the Vince McMahon regime, they still nailed celebrity wrestling, and I really wanted them to just do it full-time. They obviously didn't (laughs) care about professional wrestlers, hence why they rebooted NXT and rebadged it as NXT 2.0. This thing, and it wouldn't have worked if they'd done it all the goddamn time, much like the guest host era didn't work. But there's a kernel of truth to it. Celebrity wrestling works because it behooves the promotion, paying them vast sums of money to get a return on their investment. It's all done for the purposes of PR so that each party looks good. So they actually have to try Vince McMahon's late period WWE career as a promoter, was so apathetic, so redundant, so creatively bankrupt. You kind of had to try to get that good publicity and to earn those headlines that that's another sort of unspoken thing about celebrity wrestling and why it works so well is because it can't possibly be apathetic. Mm. They really have to go for it.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. But yeah, the central theme that we are here for is, is Logan Paul embarrassing WWE, and that extends to the performance center at the end of the day, doesn't it? Because like you say, this guy's come in, he's had three matches and he has been, you know, a, a far better showcase of WWE's talents than this processing plant of these, meant to be pumping out these world champions, basically.
3: Yeah, I think it's just worth, at this point, that there is always, of course, takes Teeth, Tango in any wrestling match, and the, the role of a general has never been more important as well. If you look at all the ring generals, he's had Roman Reigns, he's had The Miz, he's had Rey Mysterio, and indeed Dominic Mysterio. The Miz. So just nothing... <laughs> Nothing but, well, WWE generals, especially in the case of The Miz. Somebody that can do that and sort of Dominic stuff. And Dominic Mysterio. And Dominic. Can do all that sort of stuff in his sleep in the case of The Miz. But as somebody there, Roman especially, I think. There wasn't many that could have had the type of singles match. The way Roman sold after the first sort of five minutes of realizing that Logan Paul had more to offer was so crucial to the success of the match. So it's never a guarantee that it's going to go right. But as Cedric points out, they're putting, in, they're putting them in there with the right guys for a reason. John Morrison can a Canadian Destroyer himself. <laughs> That's what we learned from Bad Bunny, but Bad Bunny gets the moment and so on. So it does require the other wrestler. But the Performance Centre at this point, I hate isolating names for specific criticism because it's part of a bigger problem. It's never really on them. But the one that always springs to mind for me is Aaliyah, who is mm. currently on SmackDown and just like, I know she's held tag titles, but she's still kind of really struggling at the lower end of the card. She was featured on 2015's Breaking Ground as Noof. Still like working out the kinks within the performance centre. And even then, I think she was a year, maybe a year and a half into her time in that very expensive gym. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, Steve Austin used to cut promos about how he'd been in the industry eight and a half years when he was in the run-up to winning his first world title. I'm pretty sure Brett had been in WB eight years when he won it. Like, eight years has got you to what? The lower reaches of SmackDown and Raw, where you're not yet even having matches that anyone considers memorable. Again, I don't want to be particularly critical of her. Mm. It's a system that she's been a part of, and you don't want to... I'm not suggesting that she should have quit under her own terms and gone and worked the Indies, brother. Nothing like that. Go get paid off this company that's prepared to pay you. But where's the development? Mm. It's the key word. Where is the development in these developmentals? For all, there were countless awful faults of the old territorial developmental system stewarded by the likes of... Uh, Hugh Morris and, you know, a jobs for the boys system set up by John Laurinaitis in Florida and whatnot. Massive faults that you would never want to go back to. There was a kernel of development because lots of people praise Dusty Rhodes and lots of people say, you know what, I didn't actually mind paying my dues in a horrible sweaty box because it made me hungrier to get the bright lights of WWE. That that has got a far greater record than this multi-million dollar gym and Triple H gets... Little to no pelters for that, because mm. it looks nice, because it's part of the presentable face of WWE. If Disney had a filmmaking factory that they established, and then all of a sudden all the Disney films were absolutely terrible, Questions would be asked about how Disney got it so wrong with the filmmaking factory. This doesn't happen with WWE, and they are the self-styled Disney of this world. Now, people will
2: argue, of course, Sid, well, look at all the stars that have come through NXT and gone elsewhere, but that (laughs) doesn't necessarily tell the full story here. And how many times have we sat here on the NXT podcast reviewing the show, What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, um, and you sat there and said they got a bit lost and because they've just rehearsed this match, not run through instincts or you know, reacting to certain things, just gone, we do this, this, and this. And if it goes wrong in any point, we just have to redo it and start again from there. That's more of a true example of the NXT developmental pro- process in the performance center.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you want to look at, and it's always a qualitative assessment this but if you want to look at some of the wrestlers who are over or get lots of critical acclaim that have emerged purely from the performance center as from scratch prospects i'm not talking about adam cole or kyle o'reilly or finn balor or anyone who appears yeah, it's the wwe shine factory it's not so bad yes it, t- it turns <laughs> yes. wrestlers
3: into superstars like it Sami Zayn.
0: yeah is a huge... If they just did that, Mm. then it might actually work, but it does not work as a um, core developmental facility. The whole concept is snake bit, and the whole concept basically was too good for its own good in its first iteration in Ohio Valley Wrestling. It produced the 2002 class. They thought, great, this is way cheaper, (laughs) and um, it's obviously successful because we've just produced Lesnar, Batista, Orton, and Cena, and it didn't really get any better than that for literally 20 years (laughs) after the fact. Um... Braun Strowman, mechanically not particularly great. Doesn't have to be um decent athlete, good under direction. Um, Charlotte Flair was from scratch. Terrible moonsault. Great big match worker, realistically, even if mechanically not the absolute best. But she knows how to get a mm. crowd. She knows how to do a long match. Um, Chad Gable, freak athlete. Does he barely count? Mm. Um, Braun Breaker, more recently, he's fantastic. But if you look at the sheer speed and power with which he runs those ropes. That he, they don't teach that in the performance center. That's just who he is as a natural athlete. As a wrestling school, it's got a pretty bad record. And if you look at those names, right, they're not necessarily like legends of the business. One might be. Um, two might be, realistically. If you look at the entire history of professional wrestling, which um, is based on the fact that a lot of independent contractors go from territory to territory to territory, or in the modern day, Indy to Indy, to Japan to Mexico, and if you look at the talent and the drawing ability of all but what Roman Reigns, it's just a a broken system, and the correct way to do it is to learn different trades, and learn how to get over in front of different audiences, if you take away, right, and this is a pretty indirect and warped way of looking at it, right, but if you take away the actual imparted wrestling ability, Logan Paul has got more in common with an independent contractor than so many WWE developmental projects and prospects. He knows how to get himself over in front of a different audience and has developed a following. And those fundamentally are equally um, sort of necessary traits Mm. to be a professional wrestler as the mechanics of it all. Obviously, he's a fantastic athlete, and he picked it up like that. But at a core fundamental level, he knows how to get over in front of an audience, and that is so crucial to how the vast majority of wrestlers get over first. If you look at the NXT system now, they go to, um, not Full sale anymore, it's a Performance Center, and it's kind of an invite list, and it's the same people there, and they are probably encouraged to make as much noise as possible because they are essentially extras more than they are fans. It's good that they make an atmosphere. There's certain matches I see on NXT TV that are really quite well-received. Mm. I'm not saying they're just performative seals, but they are not particularly discerning at all, and they are kind of asked to be there That's not real feedback. That is not getting over in front of a real audience. And how many times we see on SmackDown, particularly to this day, how many times do you see someone who would have got a nice hot reaction in NXT go to a SmackDown show and it's just like nothing. Nobody knows who they are. It makes an absolute mockery of the casual fan argument. You hear about AEW so often. They do not have the tools to get over and hence why more often than not, they do not get over. I, have you watched a main event recently? I <laughs> gather that you have not. <laughs> no. I see the odd clip of it on Twitter, and I did a big deep dive and watched a main event to see, are they just isolating certain clips to make it look bad? These people are doing NXT face at the first time they get a kick out. They are not being guided mm. in the how to get over by mentors who say, make your own mistakes. I would give you this bit of advice. Go out there and work a match. Don't do that. It's stupid. Won't work. Whatever. Whatever. These people are doing NXT face after two minutes in like three moves, right? And they are just not connecting with the audiences. They're not getting the tools to do so. They are getting taught the mechanics and the tropes. And as you said, Willborn, when the first lesson fails because they failed the lesson, they don't know how to go to lesson two because they just get lost. Mm. They get lost in there. You can always say, oh, what about this wrestler? What about this wrestler? What about this wrestler? Someone's always getting, going to get over in bad systems, but the the ratio of failure to, to success is embarrassing. It truly is embarrassing if you consider the full scope of pro wrestling history. Who got over? In what way? In what system? If you look at WWEs, it's atrocious.
2: Yeah, well, people will say, well, it's not fair. Logan Pauls a, you know, a freak athlete or whatever. But that's the whole point, as Sid alluded to. There, they
0: sign freak athletes exclusively. Yeah, mm-hmm. they
2: bring in people from American football, basketball, athletics, gymnastics, whatever it may be, and it's about. Yeah, smoothing out those edges and then moulding them into a, a, a superstar, in their own words. That's a lump what, of trash. What is the, uh, what's the future, then, for the Performance Centre?
3: Well, I the one thing I will say, it's sort of in defence of the Performance Centre, but then not really, is that the, the next in line element of it remains somewhat unproven. It's new enough that I think you can take some time there. It's just there. a different word for something that's been provably bad. But I think that certainly became part of the conversation more so when it felt like Triple H had nothing to do with... Like The hiring strategy seemed to be more from colleges again, from athletes that maybe didn't quite make it in the NFL or whatever, but had loads of physical background. I think they're going to get more brutal with the cuts and not to be cruel, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if you bring in 10 elite tier athletes and they don't show the ability to project in the way that pro wrestlers need to, again, the fundamentals can come. If you simply do not have it in you to be able to figure out a crowd and then work to that crowd, I imagine they will get cut sooner. I don't sense there's going to be people that just remain in the system and never get better or people that get opportunities. There'll still be some that get opportunities and you're watching how have they progressed that far. Um, And I'm not going to name the names of the ones that are doing it now, but there are plenty currently on television that you could think that about. So I do wonder about that. I also am curious to know how, because it just seems so obvious how things would go so terribly wrong in terms of wrestlers' confidence when working under Vince McMahon. This idea that you absolutely could not fail or the fact that you stood a chance of being at every chance you got if you did try to do something yourself. We don't yet know. Triple H came up under Vince McMahon's wing. He sat at his learning tree and dead. So he could well do things exactly the same way. He could rule by fear and by gaslighting and all those things. But maybe he won't. Because there was definitely, if nothing else, the golden era of NXT was founded on, like, a, a fundamental basis of, like, learning and nurturing. There'll be a lot of that 2014, 15, 16 run wrestlers that have nothing but amazing things to say about Triple H for how we help them become TV-ready. That requires making mistakes, and it requires a bit of... Creative development and a bit of collaboration. If he doesn't want to rule entirely by fear, then the people that do make it onto television and still aren't ready stand a chance of finding it a little bit more. But that's all speculation. He might be exactly the same. He might be bound, he might even want to do it and be bound more by WWE's pre existing systems. And he he might not be able to do it any different. But that will be something interesting to watch over the next couple of years as, as we see this new raft of call ups coming through. I've got two more points to make. One of which is, if WWE were to take, not this advice
0: on this buddy podcast, but the advice of a collective, of a, there's more than one person who says this sort of thing about the WWE system and not just us, right? If they were to strike certain relationships or attempt to strike certain relationships with other promotions um, to facilitate excursions and mm-hmm. the like, they'd get buried for that as well. So I can understand where they come from in that regard. It's not good optics to have people saying, our oh, WWE is the evil empire trying to do the Monopoly again. So I completely understand that perspective, right? But if you look at the talents who have emerged from WWE developmental in its various forms, and it's not just the PC, the PC is just this sort of one-stop shop that's more expensive than anything else they've had. All the other satellites like OVW, FCW, Mm -hmm. Deep South, right? If you look at all the key name graduates, Roman Reigns, John Cena, Batista, Brock Lesnar, and Randy Orton, the exception of Lesnar, who only took a couple of months of Gentlemen's Three powerhouse matches. They all failed quite badly at one point or another in their careers. Randy Orton, terrible babyface, right? Mechanically prodigy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible babyface. Batista, extremely limited, could have been synonymous or like indistinguishable from a Heidenreich or a Snitsky until he got under the right learning tree and got told how to work. Um, John Cena, almost released. Roman Reigns took six years to get over as a serious headliner that people didn't resent, right? These people were belatedly allowed to make the mistakes from which they subsequently learned. The only difference, realistically, is that they did it and WWE called it great television. <laughs> like they had to learn the mistakes and we watched them do it, but it just happened on the nationally televised stage. Surely it would be less embarrassing for all involved if they were allowed to do it on the indie circuit or the territories, or something adjacent to it.
2: Absolutely. Well, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed in the comments section below, or on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to what Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we...